Tolerance is all the rage these days, but should we tolerate everything? We'll look at adult diaper wearers and how this sexual fetish is being mainstreamed by Vice. And then we'll look at a couple of kids who are just one small representation of the violence that is sweeping across schools in America. But at least in this case, two white children were forced to their knees and forced to say black lives matter. We'll look at how tolerance is creating chaos everywhere. And then finally, how one pastor is standing up against it. His name is Mark Driscoll, by the way. Sorry, Christianity Today. Couldn't cancel him. We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Anchor. That's A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z. Now close your eyes and imagine with me, if you will, a group of politicians leading our country, desiring what is best for the people that they serve, not just enriching themselves and actually understanding basic math. Now, open your eyes and welcome to the nightmare. While I do believe that uh, it could be worse than how I just explained it, uh, it's still pretty bad. Uh, Our politicians don't understand basic math, and you need to take some of that math into your own hands. One of the ways that you can do that is by starting a small business or at least getting the kind of professional help that you need for your business or for your own personal taxes by going to our friends over at Anchor. They can help you with accounting. They can help you with bookkeeping, payroll, staffing, and so much more to see everything they can do to help you on a personal level or to help you with your small business. You need to go to ancur.biz, and when you do so, let them know that Indie Thinkers sent you. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Tolerance is all the rage these days. It's basically the new black. Everybody's saying it. Everybody who's anybody has tolerance. And perhaps it's replaced the word love because it actually doesn't really have a definition. We can just tolerate anything. And and maybe that's the, the goal at the end of the day, is to try to make everything acceptable rather than to actually think for ourselves. And the reality is, is tolerance falls like a heap on the ground, like the walls of Jericho in three seconds with just one simple question. Should we tolerate everything? I mean, we're told to tolerate the redefinition of marriage. And if we don't, we are bigots simply because we believe that marriage has a definition. We're told that we are being intolerant of the transgender simply because we believe a man is a man and not a woman. We're told that we're intolerant of the woman who has a choice and has the right to say whatever she wants to do with her body, even though the body in her body is not her body. It's actually the body of a baby that that is inside of her, and she should have the privilege of, of being able to actually not murder. So nonetheless, uh, the reality is, is that we use tolerance all the time, and just like the word racism sometimes, if we overuse it, and intentionally misuse it, it starts to lose its meaning. Sure, tolerance is good, but tolerance is not good when we're talking about essential things that are evil. See, we can tolerate minor minor disagreements, but we should never tolerate evil, right? No one in society today is evil enough to suggest such a thing. And so on social media uh, the other day, I brought up the issue of tolerance and it kind of exploded. And I wanted to bring it up here for the sake of you wonderful listeners to the Indie Thinker podcast, because there was a conversation online that got started as a result of this clip that I think is important for all of us to hear. But before we get there, here's the clip from Jordan Peterson talking about this word tolerance and how misused it is in society today. Here's that. 
a lot of people just want to tolerate it and say this is fine. Tolerate it's... what? Tolerate what? Castration and double mastectomies for 13 year olds? Well, yeah, no, but, seriously, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. That's not tolerance. That's that's crossed the line. That is not tolerance. That that is that is an inexcusable silence on the part of the majority, the vast majority, who knows this to be wrong in the deepest possible sense. Most of the bloody Nazi propaganda that led to the extermination policies at the beginning of World War II were predicated initially on compassion and tolerance. So this whole, we're being compassionate and tolerant, it's like, no you're not, you're aiding and abetting the surgical mutilation of minors. That is not compassionate, and it's not tolerant. Now, I love Jordan Peterson in this clip simply because he has the capacity. He's like America's father, by the way. Um, he has the capacity to use his emotion in the most effective way. Usually, I'm not a fan of emotional arguments, except when it is needed. His incredulity at the fact that this reporter would claim that it is tolerant to create uh, these gender-affirming, so, quote-unquote, gender-affirming surgeries in minors is the, the epitome of what is really wrong with society today. Now, let me get into the argument, and then we'll talk about the silent majority. But the argument here is two things. That one, transgender surgeries, double mastectomies, and castrations are taking place in, in minors, and that the Nazi propaganda was predicated upon tolerance and compassion. That's the claim that Jordan Peterson makes in this clip. Now, I had a conversation with a wild leftist about this on social media, and I thought it was useful because these are the many of the conversations that take place on a regular basis when you actually gain a spine and start talking about things that need to be talked about and discussed on social media. So uh, I showed this clip, posted it, and then uh, shared some things about it. And and here's one of the responses that I got back from this clip that exploded. Uh, so so here we have Kate Itzy, who I'm not even sure is a real person because this is a private account that um, uh, that loves BLM and is a vegan. And it's just like, this is a gift to me. Needless to say, <laughs> or if this person is a real person, uh, they had to say this. Nobody is castrating or doing double mastectomies on 13-year-olds. Not one doctor in the world. And the Nazi propaganda was not predicated on tolerance. That's an enormous lie. Just ask one Jewish person. <laughs> Fallacious arguments all around. I mean, I hope she's aware at this point in time that the amount of Jews that were actually in concentration camps um, uh, were, are, is pretty pretty slim. So am I just supposed to ask any Jew on the street what it was like? How about we just go back to history and we realize this one thing, uh, speaking of the uh, the Jewish thing and that uh, that the Nazi propaganda was predicated upon tolerance and compassion. Well, of course it was. How do you convince millions of Jews to be shipped off to death camps and concentration camps if you're not telling them that it is in their best interest to do so. This is exactly how uh, the Jews were migrated into these camps early on before it became public knowledge that actually these camps were death camps and that they were gas chambers and concentration camps. And they're the two are different, by the way. Um, before that became public knowledge, what the German government was doing was convincing that they would protect and care for these people, and then they shipped them off into these camps out of the claim of tolerance and compassion. So, of course, this is 100% factually accurate, but that doesn't stop most leftists who continue down the primrose path of nonsense. And the nonsense is most egregious in this reply. 
Um, and I spoke directly to it because the historical argument is so obvious. I didn't even address it, but I responded back to our friend Kate here and I said, you should really let the Journal of American Medicine know that then, that, that there are kids not getting double mastectomies. Because of course, what I offer is a JAMA article that talks about all the way back in 2018, a spotlight that they put on just two young boys that said they were transgender, or sorry, two young girls that said they were boys, and the double mastectomies that they had, and charting their progress through it all, whether they regretted it or not. So that's just two among the many who had double mastectomies. And you can see up into the present, there's way more because when we look at statistics today, and I've done this on the show in the past, you can look at the number of kids from 13 to 17 who are having double mastectomies. And it's around, it's it's not a large number, but one is too much. So it's around 100 or so. Um, uh, it took place in 2021. 20, uh, so needless to say, uh, this individual didn't read the article, but then decided to um, snap back and say this. If you care about castration, you should look at Indonesia and Egypt, where 90% of girls have their genitals mutilated in the name of Islam. You don't care about genital mutilation, but you just hate trans people and the fact that they're allowed bodily autonomy. Yes, exactly right. So I responded back to that with this. How quickly we change our tune. Minors aren't getting double mastectomies to... Okay, they are, but you're just not being nice about it. How about this? We agree that a society that allows that kind of thing should not exist. Now, of course, this went on and on and on, but it doesn't get any better than that right there. And so I exited the conversation knowing this. The individual doesn't care about the the evidence about double mastectomies or castration in minors, which, by the way, um, castration is happening in minors through use of the drug Lupron, which is a castrating agent, which uh, they call just a... Uh, a, a, a hormone blocker. So nonetheless, or a puberty blocker. Um, so nonetheless, uh, I, this is happening in kids. We all know it is. And the claim that we should just tolerate it is absolutely erroneous. At the end of the day, I just have a couple things to say about this. One, these are the kind of conversations that happen on social media all the time, and you don't need to back down when they happen. You need to provide evidence because the vast majority of people do not care about evidence at all. How quickly this conversation just broke down into, um, well, there's this isn't happening. Okay, well, it is happening, but I don't like the way that you're talking about it. When really, all this is is a, just a, a, an attempt to try to side skirt the truth instead of actually dealing with it head on, which happens all the time on social media. It's, it's an incredibly unfortunate reality. Nonetheless, the, the more important thing, I think, at the end of the day, whether we find intelligent people on the left who actually want to have really good conversations, which I don't think actually exist, um, the more important thing here is, is that you don't need to not only fall for the debate tactics of the left, but the idea that tolerance is a virtue. Tolerance is a virtue only in very limited capacity. Uh, and tolerance, again, is only a virtue insofar as we are tolerating minor disagreements among people. Then it's a virtue. But when we're talking about major disagreements and vitally important subjects of conversation, the idea that we should tolerate disagreement on those things is absolutely ridiculous, especially when people's lives are on the line. This is nothing more than an, an attempt to emotionally blackmail people who do not think for themselves. So today's show is dedicated to rejecting and rebuffing the calls for tolerance in the face of abject lies. And hopefully we have a generation of people who are willing to stand for it. And I'll show you at least one person in society who is. We'll talk about that in our stories today. 
Vice is just serving up the hits. If they're not giving us panel discussions with men uh, dressed as women talking about feminism and shutting up all the other women in the audience and in the panel, uh, they, they give us wonderful, beautiful exposés on society today that show us how tolerable we should be about everybody's sexual preference the latest sexual preference that you need to be tolerant of, or that we're told at least to be, is of those who suffer from a di- adult diaper syndrome. These are people who love to get in diapers and pretend that they are children. So as gross as it is, here's this clip. AVDL stands for adult baby diaper lover. That's a full diaper. You waited too long. What's wrong with you? Numb. They actually have an identity that is a younger age than their chronological age. A little girl should not have a potty mouth. A little girl should not have a potty mouth. It isn't necessarily overtly sexual, but it's a bonding experience. Don't you just love that? Yes, this is all about just having a social experiment, a way to connect with other people. This has nothing to do with sexual attraction or the fact that they're fetishizing infants for their own sexual pleasure. Nothing to do with that at all. Hopefully we see the slippery slope here. That if we begin to say that even as a consenting adult, that any sexual fetish, any sexualization that we prefer, especially in the privacy of our own bedroom, is perfectly and completely tolerable, then exactly where do we draw the line? Now, we should have drawn the line a long way uh, back, a long time ago. Um, Of course, you would say I'm saying that as a conservative, but I'm saying this to you as just simply as a person with a operating prefrontal cortex. Um, where do we draw the line? Uh, let me ask this question because I think this is uh, the most insightful way I can ask it. If we don't have a biblical standard by which we judge right and wrong, by what standard do we judge right and wrong? Uh, what is good and evil? If there is not a transcendent set of values that exceed our own consent and exceed our own arbitrary value system, if there's nothing bigger than us, then why can't we participate in any form of pornography we want? Some of you are even saying, well, yeah, why not? The libertarian out there that needs to like get out of their mother's basement um, and realize that freedom is not the greatest and liberty is not the greatest principle. We'll talk about that in a moment. But but some people are still even saying, yeah, what's wrong with that? We have any type of pornography, even stuff films. Really? Like, you should be able to murder somebody for your own sexual pleasure? Really, even child pornography? You should be able to sexualize and fetishize small children for your own sexual pleasure, and there will not be any after effects from that kind of thing? I think there's after effects with a dude wearing a diaper, and it's called disgusting poop in that huge nasty thing. But I mean, hey, if you want to wipe a grown adult man's butt um, and you get sexual pleasure of it out of it, who am I to say that that's not okay? I'll tell you why. Because this is the way that we've acted for far too long, especially Christians. Well, who am I to say? Who are you? You're, you're a person that actually has a brain, and you're a person that realizes that there are consequences to actions. When did we finally give up on that simple reality? Now, here's this bigger, broader argument that I want to make, that, that in society today, consent or freedom is the greatest virtue. Well, here's what happens if that's true. If we don't actually have transcendent values as a and morality as a greater standard of truth rather than just simple liberty, then what will happen is complete chaos because you can consent to anything. Adults can consent to any kind of arbitrary, morally, morally egregious evil. 
that we should not accept as a society, and we're seeing it more and more and more in the present, especially with the gender mutilation of children. Um, but it, but if freedom is greater than morality, if liberty is greater than virtue, then we have complete chaos on our hands. I hope we understand this. We as a society have to rewire our thinking where we understand that virtue is more important than 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 liberty, and morality more important than liberty. And, and, and then that's going to create a national conversation, which I hope to have, and which I'm trying to create with this channel, slowly but surely, where we actually discuss what morality looks like if we're not going to have that discussion from a biblical perspective. Finally, I just want to say this. Trans ideology is predicated upon this very idea that you should have the right to do whatever you want rights over what is right. Just simply based upon a feeling, you can do whatever you want. This is the idea that your liberty trumps morality. But of course, this is not the case. Not only in the conservative movement, not only in the Christian conservative movement of which I'm a part, but also in the real world. What is right should always over, over supersede your rights. In fact, your rights are only protected insofar as they are right. That's where natural rights come from, the ability to be able to enable you to do that which is right, not the ability to be able to do whatever you want to do. That is not freedom at the end of the day. That is a recipe for disaster, and I can't help but wonder if people really want that at the end of the day, and that's why sexual liberation is really not only about just getting your rocks off, but really also about fundamentally reshaping our society. So the next time you log on to a porn site to simply gratify yourself, I can't help but want to challenge you to ask yourself, one, if you shouldn't be a morally responsible human being that lives for more than just pleasure and puts things that are in greater priority above that kind of stuff, but also understanding that that, that kind of thing does not have repercussions, even in the privacy of your own home, where you're taking advantage of a woman online for your own personal sake and even for that woman on the other end. Nonetheless, I, I do know this, that if we don't put virtue over freedom, we will consistently spiral in a, in, a, in a way that will decline the West even further than it is now until it no longer exists. I actually like this country, so I think we should have a national conversation about what, what morality actually looks like. And if we are willing, not willing to do that, and we want to avoid that, it could just be because you're a Christophobe. Yeah, 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 I know. You've never heard that before because there's a hate word for every single identity under the planet. You're Islamophobe, uh, uh, transphobe, homophobe, all that kind of stuff. You're an ist or um, uh, a phobe uh, if, and, unless you hate Christians, and then you're just uh, a normal person. But a Christophobe is, uh, is, is a real deal and something that needs to be identified more and more. Now, um, I, I, I say that because my next story is, I think, an important one. Um, because there is one guy who is actually taking a stand in the midst of, of, of all that's going on in society. Um, I can't think of a single Christian outlet, a single Christian pulpit that has really effectively spoken out against trans ideology and spoken out against woke culture in, in America um, on, a, on a regular basis. Um, well, let, let, me, let me pair back and just say there are few of them out there because I think that's a safer bet. But especially for those who have big platforms, um, there are very few who are actually willing to stand up and say, we need to eradicate the ideology of, of transgenderism. 
but but there was one man who just over the weekend did so, and his name is Mark Driscoll. In an epic message about Elijah, he stepped out from his pulpit and began to deal with effeminate men. He began to deal with transgenderism and the blight that it is upon society. So here's just a little bit of what he had to say. Let me start by saying that we live in a day that is very much like the days of Elijah. And we will jump into Elijah in 1 Kings 17 and we'll study right through to 2 Kings 2 over the course of four months. But his day, like our day, was war on every front. Political war, sexual war, gender wars, spiritual wars, parental wars, culture wars, educational wars. We live in an insane day. We're arguing over birthing people, pregnant people, people who can menstruate, gender pronouns. We've got males in female sports. We recently had in Wales a 12-year-old man who identifies, excuse me, a grown man who identifies as a 12-year-old girl competing against little girls in cricket and hurting them. And no one would say anything because they didn't want to offend him. All of a sudden, mental health is a civil right. In addition, we're not allowed to just have our children go to the bathroom without guarantee that there won't be some predator there who has gender dysphoria and confusion. We have drag shows for kids all the way down to babies this week in the UK. Anytime a child is in a sexualized environment, it's not entertainment, it's grooming. In addition, if you say anything about it, there is cancel culture where they come to deplatform you and crucify you. It comes under the auspices of social justice, equity, systematic racism, patriarchy, and victimhood. Victims of nothing, I would add. In addition, they would say that since there is no visible leader, this is not a genuine movement, and since there is no visible teacher, there is no legitimate movement. And I would say there is clearly a leader, it's just not someone who is physical. So listen, I spoke last week on the show about the silent majority. Now, the silent majority, if anybody in America, is Christians, because we still make up the majority of people in America who claim to be Christians. I know that that number is incredibly fallacious. It's, it's not a right number, but somewhere in there is a real number of real professing, believing Christians in America. And the fact that we are so silent about these issues is insane. I called for the eradication of the ideology of transgenderism because I think we're closer than ever before right now with things that are happening in my home state of Tennessee and then in other states around our nation with the banning of gender mutilation for children um, in different states, but also because of the awareness about this and the widespread nature of this mental illness, or at least this social contagion that is afflicting people. We're creating more and more um, awareness about this, and as a result, we are pushing back against it, and things are beginning to change. Recently, Michael Knowles got a lot of heat at a CPAC uh, event for for calling for this very same thing, which is why I'm using the very same language. We need to eradicate transgenderism and its ideology as much as possible. And what I mean by that, just so that I am not misinterpreted, is that we need to love the person who has gender dysphoria and even love the person who has the social contagion, like rapid onset gender dysphoria. Um, we need to love them with all of our heart, but love them enough to tell them the truth. The ideology must be eliminated until it becomes unthinkable to perform these kind of surgeries on young kids. Now, it is a different story to do this in adults, but still, when did we allow as a society organizations like Big Tobacco to sell products that would kill people and hurt them for the rest of their lives? 
without at least putting incredible warning labels on them. Now, we've almost eradicated smoking as a kind of socially acceptable practice in America. Why? Because one person was willing to blow the whistle on an industry that was more interested in selling product than they were in actually protecting people. Now, the same thing is happening in our time, and we need men like Driscoll and others to stand against it and say this, that there is an organization that is more interested in pushing product, especially upon young kids, than they are in actually the well-being of people. And if anybody needs to be standing up against this right now, it is Christians who will say this, that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. And I don't care about the social repercussions of this because the social repercussions of the opposite are way too damning and damaging to us as a society. The societal decline that we are in is being exponentially expediated by things like this, and we must do something about it. For those who are espousing tolerance in the midst of all of this and staying silent, you are part of the problem. And I know, I get it. You know, Christians have been silent for so long because they're so threatened by being accused of being Jerry Falwell. They don't want to be considered the religious right um, of, of the 80s. And, and I get it to a certain extent. Those guys were so politically minded, and, and by that I mean corrupt and in bed with politicians, many of them, that I don't want that either. But if we're talking about political in the sense of changing our world, even from a policy standpoint, I count me in. I want to be at the forefront of standing for policy procedures and, more importantly, doing this, making sure that the cure that we have is professed in all the world. Because at the end of the day, it is not tolerant. It is not loving to sit back while you have the answer for what people are experiencing and facing in a negative way in this society. If you have the answer to that, to hold it to yourself. If you have the cure for cancer and you keep it to yourself, you are not tolerant and you are not loving. There's nothing benevolent about that at all. So at the end of the day, I just want to encourage you that if you know the answer and you have the answer, even if you think that you might be flawed in some ways and you may not know how to communicate that answer to other people, but you know at least that there is an answer in the hope that you have in Christ and in his word, then by all means, share it as far and as wide as you possibly can. Because... There's too few pastors willing to deal with this issue like Driscoll is right now, and we need more and more and more if we're going to do it. Because we cannot allow in our time to let tolerance replace love, because tolerance is killing people and damning them. The truth will help them. And that's why I bring up this final story, because right now we're seeing some of the social contagions out there in society kind of being contracted by smaller children. Um, and, and we need to be careful about that because one day our kids are going to inherit this world that we created for them, whether we like it or not. And we need to be serious about making sure that the world we hand to them is better than it was than when we found it. But I'm not so sure that's the case, especially when we look at stories like this. Just recently, the New York Post reported a shocking video shows black kids attack and force white kids to say Black Lives Matter at Ohio school. Now, just fair warning, this is kind of a, a troubling clip here. Um, and whenever I see this kind of stuff, it creates an emotional response in me because I'm a, I'm a, a boy dad. And 
whenever I see people taking advantage in, in, of and bullying other kids in this kind of egregious way, it really, really makes me mad. So fair warning, trigger alert. I'm about to show you a video of um, a group of black boys forcing some two white kids to their knees and uh, while they're being hit, uh, being forced to say Black Lives Matter. So this video comes out in the midst of a bunch of different things on social media showcasing uh, violence at schools. And I, I want to make a statement about this because I think the initial impulse is to say, hey, I went to a pretty bad school. And I think I did, by the way. Um, it, violence was no rare thing on the campus of the high school that I went to. Um, it, was, it was actually a very unsafe environment. Uh, but, but there is this tendency to say, well, that kind of stuff took place when I was a kid and it's going to take place when these guys. But there is a different nature or manner in which the violence taking place for kids um, is taking place right now in school. So right now, on the uh, as much as I hate it, I'm showing on the screen um, uh, a a big girl choking a much smaller young boy. I'm I'm showing you different acts of violence, of egregious, unthinkable acts of violence in schools that are taking place right now in the present. And you have to ask yourself. Like the crime wave that's sweeping through America right now, especially in major blue cities, and also filtering down into our public school system, what is behind that? And I can't help but wonder if it has anything to do with what adults are doing and passing on to their kids. So let me read this New York Post article to you real quick and just one aspect from it, because a local NAACP leader had this to say about this violent attack on these two white boys who were forced to say Black Lives Matter. It says this, local NAACP president Denise Williams said she'd been told the students had been suspended without detailing how many or their ages. I don't care what color they are, Williams told WKEF. They need to be held accountable to that, I would say amen. However, she maintained that the kids should not be charged, claiming the apparent racially charged attacks were being blown out of proportion. Now, you just saw the video. If you're watching, and if you're not, you need to go back to the YouTube channel, subscribe while you're over there, share it with friends and like, um, and go with God. Uh, but then also, you need to go look at it, and then you need to say uh, for yourself, do you really think the racial nature of these videos are being blown out of proportion? Really? Um, I, I want to just... I want to just note that if there's anybody blowing anything out of proportion from a racial standpoint, it is definitely the left and people like those at the NAACP who want to make everything about race, especially things that aren't innately about race, at least as far as we know. By the way, in case you don't already know, this may be shocking to some of you. The murder of George Floyd was incredibly horrific and evil and justice you know, as far as could be served on this earth was served when Derek Chauvin went to, to jail for that, for that event. But I hope we all know that the claims that Derek Chauvin was a racist cop killing a black man were created by the media. We have no way of truly knowing what was in Derek Chauvin's heart that day. Now, you can say, Reed, of course we know. I mean, he's a white guy at the end of the day, and he was on top of a black man and the way that he treated that man. Obviously, he thought of that man as inferior. Well, that's certainly true, but do we know that it was because of the color of his skin? Or again, were we just told that and we were all led to believe that? Even that was not argued in the criminal case against Derek Chauvin. Why? Because they had no evidence to suspect that Derek Chauvin was indeed um, being a racist when he, when he sat his knee on the back of George Floyd. 
So if anybody makes much about race and wants to make uh, polarizing statements about race, it's definitely people from the NAACP, which is the point here, is that it takes adults to teach the kind of racism that you saw in that schoolyard. Those kids didn't learn that kind of hate themselves. They learned it from the people who taught them what racism actually looks like by portraying it every single day in their own home. They, they learned it from a group of people that were told that you can treat white people that way because they have to say black lives matter or else. They were taught in a roundabout way, even if it's from the media and not from their parents, they were taught that uh, anybody who doesn't say black lives matter obviously is not just concerned about the destruction of the nuclear family and a Marxist organization that wants to usurp millions, hundreds of millions of dollars and then funnel that money to trans organizations, um, but that those people are actually indeed people who do not care about black lives. See, this is what we told um, our children definitively, whether we did it directly or indirectly through the media. So this isn't just kids being kids. This is kids taking a, a... page out of the playbook of adults. And the page from the playbook here is just simply this. You can humiliate and force people to do whatever they want and you can get away with it if you can convince people that they need to be tolerant of disagreements and tolerant of people's racial diversity. And all of that leads us to an incredible amount of animosity because actually what we're not creating is tolerance, but actually resentment. If, if tolerance is nothing more than actually a tool just to humiliate people, just as these young boys did, because again, this is not a tool of just these young boys. It is a tool being used by adults. And so it's my argument here that the tool of tolerance is nothing more than an attempt to try to humiliate people in the same way that these young boys are humiliating people. And again, taking a page out of the playbook of adults. See, today, the word tolerance is being used as nothing more than a way to extort and blackmail people. Well, you're not loving if you don't agree with everything I say. So are you loving? It's, It's just like asking, when did you stop beating your wife? Well, I don't beat my wife. So you believe in beating your wife? No, of course, this is This is just this endless insanity that is being perpetrated upon a society that has no moral values anymore. And we must rediscover them if we're going to do anything. And this is why it is an inexcusable silence, as Jordan Peterson said, on behalf of the majority, to stay silent at this moment. We can no longer stand for religious bigotry against Christians, and we can no longer stand, more importantly, for the divisive in malicious and manipulative ways, language is being used in the present to try to distort very important words like truth and love. And the last time I checked, I believe, and all Christians are supposed to believe, in a Savior that perfectly balances love and truth and does so on a consistent basis to make the world a better place. And if we don't, we'll see more of what we've already been seeing. But I want to try to avoid that for you, for me, and most especially for our young kids. So in order to do that, the silent majority needs to take a stand. I hope you'll do that. I hope you won't fall for the blackmail of tolerance. If you won't, I'd love to hear from you down in the comments section below. You can also like, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, you can go with God.